politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow forgotten American patriots and taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house on Wednesday, July 15th. And I know you guys might not be criminals, you might not be illegal aliens, but you still matter to us. Even though increasingly, you don't matter to the political elites in both political parties. Now, this show could rapidly degenerate into a depressing presentation and lament and woe of our times. But in fact, it's actually going to be what I hope to be uplifting a path, perhaps the only path forward for patriots like us that actually want to be driven by the Constitution, by liberty, by safety and security, by true science and true data on this virus. But it's not going to come by itself. Yesterday was a watershed event. It was a watershed day from the juxtaposition of two events from President Trump and his administration that should demonstrate once and for all that either way we lose. Right now, he's ensuring that we get all of the liabilities of his presidency, but none of the benefits. We, we have the left as activated as if the Trump governing is the Trump who campaigned in 2016. Yet what we're actually getting is President Jared Kushner in all of the policies. That is what's happening. So he is going to lose unless there's some great intervention, divine intervention, or you know Biden's caught trying to molest a dead body or something. But even if he wins, my question to you is, everyone tells me, Daniel, well, it's the courts did this. It's the state governors. It's this. It's Jared Kushner. It's the deep state. It's the shallow state. So then my question to you is, garbage in, garbage out. What changes after this election? Are you better off than you were four years ago? Is this country better off than it was four years ago? You look fiscally, the debt, the dependency, the liberties. I mean, we would die to go back to four years ago of liberty. The security, the grade of crime, the immigration problems, the courts. That's the thing. Republicans had full control for the first two years, two out of three branches for the second two years. They have all these governorships and state legislatures. They do nothing with them. They screw us just as much as the blue states with letting out criminals, with the corona fascism, the flat earth science. And boy, you got to follow me on Twitter at Arm Conservative. I have so many new articles at conservativereview.com. We're going to produce more and more information on the virus. It's remarkable, the data out there, the trends, the observations. Lockdowns don't work. They're counterintuitive. Mask mandates do not work. This virus follows its own pattern. Sweden has an amazing success story. Maybe we'll talk about later this week. But the broader point here is that what we are doing is not working. So yesterday, Jeff Sessions gets crushed by this rhino Tuberville. Now, look, this was never about a personality. He didn't really want to run. People convinced him to run. He was ready to retire. And I'm sure he's happy to retire. We never believe in a cult of personality. Certainly someone like Sessions doesn't really inspire a cult. 
exactly. He's kind of a mellow guy. But we wanted one voice that actually stood up for us on immigration and on crime. Where we really do not have a single effective voice in that Senate. So you know what? Rather than having one voice, we'll have zero now. So, I mean, it's not really going to make much of a difference. But what it represents is that the only thing Trump seems to be successful at doing is electing rhinos in primaries. That's the only time he seems to use his influence. Where basically we are trapped in a burning building. Where on the one end, the left is not just as radical as ever, but they are successfully implementing their tyranny and their anarchy worse than ever in Republican states, in Democrat states. The courts are doing it. The Democrat governors, the Republican governors, Trump's own cabinet officials are going along with it and promoting it. But then Trump evinces the image that he kind of opposes it, but doesn't really do anything about it. So the other side is even more activated and acts even more preemptively. And he's kind of sitting there all impotent. As if he's like a challenger. As if he's a cable news commentator. Oh, vote for me in November. This is terrible what's going on. Well, aren't you president? Well, uh, that's the courts did it. It's the Democrat governors did it. Well, I mean, that's going to be the same thing after November. So that's the deal. What changes? Are you better off than you were four years ago? This is a question we need to ask. It's very simple. So he got this rhino puke Tuberville elect, uh, nominated. He's so scandal ridden, I don't even know if he could win a general election, but I don't care. But I want, it, I want you to understand, this is not, everyone's like, oh, well, the Mueller thing. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with Jared Kushner and the direction of this administration. Because there's another story I have to share with you. Yesterday, there was a lawsuit in court filed by MIT and Harvard basically to indirectly give standing to foreign nationals during a time of an epidemic when we are all shut down. We have to be shut down, but foreign nationals get their due because we have a country of, by, and for foreign nationals, not for American citizens. So therefore... They said it can't be. They have a right to get their foreign student visas, their F-1 visas. Because originally, the good forces in the administration finally won out with Trump to promote a common sense regulation that if you are a foreign student seeking admission to, to the country pursuant to acceptance at a university that does not have in-person classes, well, why should you be here anymore? You shouldn't get your your visa. So what happened was the administration was scared of losing that court case. So they just totally collapsed and they just rescinded it. They rescinded it. So not only do they allow the courts for the first time in 200 years to take over immigration the way they've taken over abortion, sovereignty, which has to be left to the unelected branches of government. He never pushes back against the courts. Now he preemptively just surrenders the fight. Won't even appeal it. Won't even wait for the judgment. Brooke Rollins, Jerome Smith, Chris Little, and Jared Kushner went out every single time. So if this is where we're at, that while Americans are locked down and we have nowhere to turn, no courts will we'll take our cases. No, very rarely. I mean, you know, 99% of the time we lose. 
but illegal aliens and foreign nationals, they could get standing to get anything they want, including overturning regulations promulgated under the guise of coronavirus, which is like a cult. I mean, that's like sacred. You can't touch that. I mean, government could do anything to us for coronavirus, except deny visas to foreign nationals. That you can't do. Then you have courts overturning the few good things that red states do, which are very few and rare, the heartbeat bill in Georgia. So if this is where we're at, then you'll have Gorsuch seed half of Oklahoma to an Indian tribe. You'll have him redefine men and women. You have all these lower courts basically rule everything. They get more and more radical. The Democrat governors get more and more radical. The Republican governors get more and more radical. Where do you and I turn? So first of all, Trump will not win this. Meaning the more important thing is for us to start a new party, and at least in the meantime, as we're going to talk about on today's show, to at least work with the best Republicans we have on a county level. We're always hearing, oh, this is the most important election of our lifetime, presidential election. I will tell you that sheriff and county commissioner elections, because of what is going on today, are more important than ever before. But if you are one of those that it's all the presidential election, so you have an obligation to demand Trump step aside. Because right now, that's it's semantics. He's going to lose. You know, it's interesting. There's a poll out. Just 30% opposed reopening schools last month. Now that Trump has gotten involved, not implementing it, but talking about it while he has his own cabinet officials contradict him, like, like he always does. Now a majority oppose it. That's how toxic he is. Now, I understand that the media is going to make any, even a new party, conservative leader or any leader toxic in their own way, and they're going to fight them. But the point is, we're getting all the liabilities, but none of the benefits. And he's going to lose anyway. And then even if somehow, like I say, Trump is caught with a dead body in his trunk or something, I'm not Trump, I mean Biden, and Trump winds up winning, If you like the first four years, let me tell you, (laughs) you'll be tired of that winning in the latter four years. We'll have amnesty, we'll have jailbreak. And then the left is going to get, the left, see, the left doesn't debate. They grab, they take, they implement. They implement in the courts, they implement illegally, they implement on a state level, on a county level, on a cultural level. They do. They don't ask permission. They just do. So you can imagine if Trump were to somehow pull out a win, They're just going to go nuts. And they're going to implement their policies even more. And there's going to be even more of a need for Trump to more effectively counter it. So the second term is going to be even more, where we get all the liabilities as if Trump's in charge, but none of the benefits. The left's more activated than ever. They implement their stuff more than ever in response to him. And then our side continues to be freaking comatose. And doesn't fight back because Papa's in charge. He's taking care of us. Except he's not. And the only thing their subservience to Trump results in is the election of more rhinos than ever before. Because McCarthy and McConnell and Kushner get him to endorse every piece of crap around. It's not just Sessions. That's the thing. It's not like he's been endorsing all these great conservatives. Sessions was personal. No. He's been doing this in every damn race. 
There's a handful of them he did lose where the conservative did wind up winning, but most of the time not. Which leads me to the main part of the show. So what is the solution, at least in the short term? Folks, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, we're going to have a special guest on today, a county commissioner. Now, I just want to set the table and transition from our discussion to our guest by saying this. If you look at the electoral map, President Trump won about 82% of the counties. There's a little bit over 3,000 counties in this country. Now, a lot of people laugh at that and say, oh, there's nothing but uh, cows in some of these places. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you have a jurisdiction like L.A. County that has 10 million people, and if you have a jurisdiction that has 50,000 people right next door to it. Now, you don't have next door to it, but let's just say you did. I want you to visualize this for a minute. You living in that county with 50,000 people, you have just as much influence on your government as, as they do in L.A. In fact, you have a lot more, but I'm saying you control that jurisdiction, that unit of government, that unique jurisdiction, just as much as the people in L.A. County control L.A., except you, you are much more impactful, and almost always, they're more conservative areas where people still adhere to traditional constitutional values, appreciate America for its founding, appreciate sovereignty, security, civil society, liberty and freedoms for law-abiding citizens, appreciate proper science and data and understanding of how to treat a respiratory virus, appreciate and understand our country's founding, the need for security against enemies domestic and foreign. And as I've said before, if we were only, only in the places where Trump won by, let's say, 10 points plus, to have solid county commissioners and sheriffs and to have our people, rather than remaining comatose and trusting in this phony National Republican Party to somehow save us, if we would only get involved and have the proper policies on crime, on certainly the virus in particular, implemented at a local level, we'd be better off than we've ever been. And we would have a paradigm to look towards as a model to follow at a national level. Right now, there is essentially no red county in America. I am not seeing a single place that is fully adhering to the conservative thinking, all the reams of data and information we put out on the virus and strategies, the way we are seeing all the other counties promote a living hell, which is tyranny for all of us, except, oh, if you want to riot, then you can spread the virus all you want. We are not seeing that. And again, at this point, you know, Congress is, is irremediably broken. Um, I know a lot of people are going to get upset at me for saying this, but this administration which is really run by Jared Kushner, is, is increasingly irremediably broken. The courts are irremediably broken at a federal level for sure. State legislatures, you get a little bit better as you go down. Maybe about a quarter of the Republicans in a given Republican caucus in a state Senate are decent. You go down to the state house, it's maybe about a third are usually decent. It's really the county level where we have the best chance of electing people of, by, and for the people, representative government that reflect our values, that aren't out of touch. But they're going to need our help, and they're going to need our data. They're going to need our 
um, our support. Because again, they're going to get, even in a red county, they're going to get pressure from the other side. They don't sleep. They operate in all 3,000 counties. Our side listens to talk radio and watches Fox News and then does nothing with it. And we need to get on the playing field. I want to give you a little bit of hope amidst all the Jeremiah today of an example of a budding rebellion that I think if this is successful, it can take root elsewhere. Douglas County, Colorado. So Douglas County is a suburb of Denver. It's to the south. And, you know, most counties either are governed by a state-level board of health, department of health, or it has its own county department. In this place, it's kind of unique. There's a a tri-county health department that covers Arapahoe, Adams, and Douglas counties just outside of Denver. And it's a group of unelected, just unelected people, a body of, um, you know, three citizens from each county, total of nine members chosen. They're rarely thrown out of office, and they just make decisions. Now, until now, it's been around for like 50, 60 years, hasn't been a big deal. But now, guess what? They are making more impactful decisions to our life, liberty, and property than our entire lives. I mean, your business could be open, you can't. Schools could be open, you can't. You have to wear a diaper diaper on your face indoors and now in a lot of places increasingly outdoors in the 90 degree weather. No questions asked. No regard for the data of where it's been tried and it's still spreading and it doesn't work. Folks, this is more impactful than the presidential election. I'm sorry. It really is. As I've noted, we are four months into this and we have decisions still being made by executive fiat more than ever. It's not like, okay, the first 24, 48 hours, something is emergent, we have to make a very quick decision. I understand that. But then at some point, you got to go to a legislative body. You got to, you know, have input and self governance. You cannot have, hey, okay, this is what's opening. This is what shut that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not China. The virus might have started in China, but it has turned America into China. Well, last week, the Douglas County commissioners voted to secede from this. Tri-County Health Department, and they said, you know what? We are going to um we are going to build our own health department. And I think this is a model of what's to come. With us today to discuss this is none other than one of those commissioners, Laura Thomas. Laura is really a paradigm of public service at a local level. She was the elected county coroner. So actually, she has good insight into you know, coding of deaths and some of the um, misappropriation of COVID deaths uh, that are really due to other causes. She was a cop for 25 years, a state trooper, actually, first woman captain, first woman major in the troopers in Colorado history. And then she was elected as a county commissioner in Douglas County, and um, she is also up for re-election, so you're going to want to look her up online, Laura Thomas. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to be with you, Daniel, and all of your listeners. Thank you. Well, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening to that monologue. I wanted to kind of set the table for our listeners at a macro level, but let's drill down to Douglas County. Um, people are seeing, one after another, decisions being made at such a breathtaking speed and with such viciousness, like, you better do this. This is what we're doing. You're killing people if you don't do this. And like, there's no debate, there's no input, there's no there's no data analysis of whether this stuff is even warranted or works. 
what pushed you guys over the edge and where do you see this going in Douglas County and in other places in Colorado and throughout the nation? Thank you, Daniel. Last Wednesday, Dr. Douglas, who is the executive director of the public health department, Tri-County Health, had a meeting with his board of health. That's three citizens from Arapaho, Adams, and Douglas. He had recommended a masking order for Adams County and Aurora, and that Arapaho and Douglas could opt out of a mandatory mask order. That was the expert's recommendation. And during the meeting, um, someone who has a public health initial after her name made the motion that all three counties have mandatory masking orders in place. There's one doctor on that board of health, and he voted against this motion. However, the motion carried five to four. And, um, you know, that the next day after a 24-hour posted meeting requirement, my fellow commissioners Abe Layden and Roger and I decided that it was time that we left Tri-County Health because our liberties, our freedoms, our livelihoods are in the hands of nine unelected, appointed individuals who have the power to make decisions over us that are not necessary. And it was time for us to put our foot down and say, enough is enough. We have a year by statute to create our own health department, and that is what we are going to do. So now, just set the table of what is the state of play in your area? Obviously, I see, you know, Douglas, like most red counties, is more rural spread out than the other two in that tri-county cooperative. Um, So therefore, the COVID imprint is really uh, much milder. Your deaths per 100,000, I see are only 15.2. It's twice that in Adams and really almost four times that level in Arapaho. And, you know, the numbers really... I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it's not that much more beyond a, a pandemic flu. I haven't checked up your 2018 numbers, but it might be pretty similar, if not even less at this point. And we, you know, when I say the 2018 flu, everyone's like, what's that? <laughs> and that, and I say, well, that's my point. Uh, what the media doesn't tell you can't hurt you. Um, and in your county, I mean, to go to a mandatory masking order all the time, all the place to me, wouldn't warrant it. Is that kind of your argument that that you guys are different and you need to be governed based on the data and the science that you're seeing uh, relate to your county? Daniel, we absolutely need to be governed by the data and the science. Douglas County is 370,000 population. Our northern tier is very highly dense densely populated. So we're very much like a city, very close homes. But we have 370,000 very smart and responsible citizens. Douglas County has been rated the healthiest county in the country. So we started off with citizens knowing how to take care of themselves and doing just that. And and I think that's really important that a lot of people forget that there's a big difference between the period of time when there's zero awareness that there's an even, you know, there's a virus percolating, like, you know, in December, January, maybe February, versus, oh, I realize, okay, I'm not going to sit and hug everyone and do certain basic things, wash our hands, to jumping to that and saying lockdown, mandatory mask wearing. And what shocks me is that if you look all over the all over the place, California has had a mask mandate for five weeks. Miami-Dade County, which is the hot spot of Florida, it's where most of the Florida problems are coming from, has had it for even longer. 
Um, Wisconsin had all their regulations thrown out by the Supreme Court on May 13th, and their social mobility score is actually up in terms of movements, and they haven't had anything. JP Morgan, which has top-notch data analysts study this and showed there's like there's simply no correlation. Sweden did did none of this, but I think they, you know, self-governed. They, you know, took certain precautions. They didn't have big gatherings, <clears throat> 26 million people gathering to riot and protest. Uh, you know, they avoided that. And they have, if you adjust, if you basically look at their excess deaths. Not only are they better than all the big European countries, but even the Nordic countries, they're actually better than Denmark because if you look at excess deaths, they have a um, they have a very liberal definition of COVID deaths. So you you have to look at the excess all cause deaths to get the truth. Uh, they're on par with Finland slightly, but they are below Norway. That's the only one. But two things: number one, they have a much greater immigrant population, which seems to be disproportionately affected. And number two, guess what? This is just the first inning. Israel, Australia barely had it. They did lockdown. Well, now they have it. Everyone's going to get it to a certain extent. Sweden now has that herd immunity and none of the collateral damage of all the people who died from the untreated heart, uh, stroke, mental health, the, the drug fatalities, the suicides. Why, why aren't we hearing the other side to this story and do you plan on building a narrative and, and a health department built on a broad diversity of thoughts so we could come to the truth on this? So, Daniel, what we're talking about doing is identifying all the services that Tri-County currently offers and then finding out what our citizens want. Currently, the Tri-County Health Department does a needle exchange program, and, and I can't imagine that our citizens are going to want that here in this county. <laughs> They have a suicide prevention program, but let me tell you, Douglas County has built a national award-winning suicide suicide prevention plan. It's a mental health initiative. We have four co-responder teams. That's a PhD level clinician and a police officer, four of those teams that go out and help people who are having mental health crises. Nobody goes to jail. Everybody gets the help they need. This county has a long history of providing only the, the services that our citizens need and desire. And other than that, we let our citizens live their lives. It, it, exactly. And, and to me, when, when, when I look at a county government, um, from a constitutional standpoint, even more from a declaration of independence, social compact, social contract, I mean the foundation of foundations of governance. My, I would look at myself as a county commissioner, as a sheriff. Your job is to preserve liberty. It's not a matter of I'm going to take this amount but not that amount. No. My governance is a way of preserving liberty, and the way to do that is you need to have some degree of governance to prevent lawlessness that people that harm other liberties, but then have a low imprint on everyone else so they could self-govern and live their lives. How does it make you feel as a county commissioner who is also, you know, a pioneering female law enforcement officer to watch all these other county governments and state governments basically sit back and allow sacking of public property, um, surrounding of you had a really bad case in colorado a guy was shot at a traffic stop surrounding and mobbing of cars beating of people no prosecutions no police presence but then when it comes to mandatory mask wearing and the corona fascism suddenly they believe in the police see they don't want to abolish the police they want to use them for that 
Isn't that the perfect perversion of the pyramid of governance? You know, Daniel, I'm sure your listeners are going to agree with me that today the world that should be up is down and what's down is up. It breaks my heart when I see the lawlessness that's going on now. When I watched that video of George Floyd as a former police officer, I could not imagine that something like that would happen. I I couldn't even believe it because that's not the way my fellow officers and I treated people. But if we do not have law and order, how can people be safe? And if people can't be safe, how can they have liberty? If people can't be safe, how can they have liberty? And I think you're seeing that now. There's restriction of movement. I mean, I, I was joking around that the Israelis invented uh, the Waze app. My understanding was because people would venture into Arab villages and they didn't know where they were going and they would get lynched. And it, it's almost like that now. You don't know where you're going to be riding, not just on a on a roadway, but interstate highways have been shut down. And again, that 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 man in, in western Colorado who was um, shot in the head, I believe he's in a coma, he was a veteran, um, it's it's truly unbelievable, and I'm just not seeing a lot of leadership from the Republican Party at a state or federal level. Could you give people a sense of what they can do? Because I think there's a lot of parts of the country that are like this. I'm I'm in Maryland, which is every bit as blue, if not more blue, than Colorado is at a state level. But you have parts of the uh, state that are just they're very different. And it's a more of a traditionalist, conservative county area. What what could they do to push back? Because you have a pretty um, uh, aggressive Democrat leadership controlling the state. What sort of pushback are you seeing from your decision at a state level? And how do you think you can navigate that? Well, we certainly have been inundated with phone calls and emails from citizens demanding that we keep them safe. So first of all, we have to do a better job messaging that by changing our health department is not abandoning our citizens. They still have a public health department and that department will serve their needs. But what people need to do is reach out to your elected officials when they are doing good things and support them because we have gotten such awful emails. I mean, it's just terrible the names that people call us and what they say to us. But when we get an email from a citizen who says, thank you for upholding my freedoms, that, that reminds us that we are doing the right thing and that we are representing our citizens. So you've got to reach out. And because I think so many people are silent, send that email yes. and tell your, your commissioners, thank you for doing what you do for me every day. That's all we need. I've seen that so many places people have told me in counties that, again, Republicans carried at a national level. They carried that county 30, 40, 50 points, even then. You'll see the other side is activated in all 3,000 counties. They're promoting this, especially with this. You know, Laura, if you don't follow the Cuomo model, you're killing people. You know, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's like they're they're all drinking out of the same trough and they're all wrong. Every time they're proven wrong. Um, you, whether it's the social mobility scores with the Google data, you could track it. There is zero correlation with what they're doing. Um, most of what the virus is do, does is is beyond our capacity to to mitigate, except you have to stratify and shield. And what they've done is the opposite. They put everyone in the same pile and they wound up 
using a nuclear bomb to kill an ant and they didn't kill the ant, a.k.a. they um, shut down the Northeast in order to, you know, for, for a virus that really in any statistical way only harms sick and elderly people. And they killed more people in nursing homes than anywhere else. I mean, that is not something you want to replicate in Douglas County. Um, you want to get input from people like Johnny Anitas and Scott Atlas and um, Nobel laureate Mike Levitt. Uh, you know, people that are saying, wait a minute, you know, we're seeing a different side of this story. And my, my concern is, and I'm wondering how you're going to navigate this. The other side has a perfect system of confirmation bias. Whatever they do is never at fault and can only be good. So they'll implement something and the virus will spread. But it's never the fault of it. It would be even worse if you didn't have it. And then every time there is spread, well, it's because we weren't doing this. And then they do it and it spreads. Well, we weren't doing this. And I mean, it's almost the perfect system. Do you have any plan to combat that and kind of draw a line in the sand with some metrics um, to demonstrate true success? Well, we just keep looking at our data, Daniel. In June in Douglas County, there were six hospitalizations and three deaths. And the average age of those who died were 82. So you're right. We need to make sure that our older people are safe. My mother is 87. She's in an independent living facility, and she has been there since March. She doesn't want us to come see her because she wants to keep herself safe. That's her decision, and we are honoring her decision. And I, I also want to include the power of prayer. There are many citizens who reach out to me and text me that they are praying for us, and we feel those prayers. This is a time when we have to remember that God is in charge and we need to listen to what he is telling us. It's that simple. And I think this is really the big gap between this generation and previous times. Never before did they believe that human ability to mitigate a respiratory virus is like 100% of the pie. It's 100% of the pie that that it's just like it, it falls and dies on based on what you do. And it was just never done that way. I ask uh, my, you know, my dad, my my mother, anyone I know that lived through 1957 and 1968, and I say, hey, what was it like to live during the Asian and Hong Kong flus? And they say, what's that? And and again, I mean, adjusted uh, per you know for population growth, there would have been over 200,000 deaths in, in 1957, and they literally there was nothing done. I mean, they, they lived with it. It mainly killed those who are going to die within a year. Um, not that we don't do everything we can to save them, but again, the virus seems to have a way of spreading, you know, whether you have a mask or not. Um, you have a massive growth of cases among healthcare workers. You could say maybe in March they didn't have enough PPE. They certainly do now, and they have for quite a while. It gets them. I mean, the microbiology of viral particles it you know it 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 is very hard to 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 stop that just like it's hard to stop the flu uh, cdc has always said once it reaches a 1% prevalence there really is not much you can do um and then even if it didn't reach it it just delays it and then once you would stop what you're doing it would come back like we're seeing in israel and australia where they likely stopped it before the 1% mark so it it looked like it was working um so that's that. That's I think the stuff you guys need. You need that help. You need that backing. I want to switch gears a little bit in the remaining few minutes here. You are a county coroner. It's an elected position, as it is in most states, most counties. And 
What do you think when you see stories in places like Montezuma County, Colorado, but I've seen it in Pennsylvania and Michigan, where coroners are calling BS on state health departments? Basically, they put down a death as, you know, a drug overdose. In the case of Montezuma, it was an alcohol poisoning of uh, someone who was very young in his 30s, clearly died of that. He died, you know, on a park bench. You know, you don't usually die of COVID that way. It's a gradual thing. Um, but you know, he tested positive, like such a large proportion of the population. Thankfully, it really is as a, as a percentage, very much not deadly. Um, you know, for most people, uh, under the age of 60, you're more likely to, uh, die in a car accident. So almost anyone who has it is not going to die from it. But yet CDC has a policy that's been adopted by the state health departments that anyone who tests positive and dies with it. Well, that's a COVID death. Are you hearing this from other coroners? Of course, that Montezuma case was very uh, well known here in the state. We talked to the county commissioners about that. And, um, you know, there's always the question of if someone dies with or someone who dies because of. And when I was the coroner, it was always because of. And then there's another line on a death certificate in Colorado where you can identify secondary conditions. So in this case in Montezuma, the secondary condition was with COVID, but because of alcohol poisoning. And and I know there's legislators here that are watching cases and keeping track of them. And there was a, a large number of cases in Colorado that were subtracted by the state health department because they were coded incorrectly. So after this is all over, I think it's going to be really important that there be an audit done so that the numbers are standard across the country. So we really know what happened. Because one of the things I think you need to consider and have a health department look at is if we're going to, again, presuppose that we have the ability through a shutdown to somehow prevent these deaths. So if deaths are going to be a benchmark, mathematically, theoretically, unless the virus is 100% eradicated from existence, you're always going to have COVID deaths, even if nobody died of COVID. And here's the way the math works out. Um, And and I don't know Colorado, but nationwide, about 58,000 people die a week. Um, Just all-cause deaths. At any given moment, easily 5,000 at the peak could have the virus. Well, you know, that's 5,000 COVID deaths. They had a virus and they died, right? Even even if zero of them died from it, even if it was asymptomatic. Because one of the concerns I'm seeing, I'm wondering if you guys have audited those cases of 82-year-olds. On the one hand, it is the most deadly to the elderly, certainly in senior care facilities. But on the other hand, if they're in a senior care facility, often they're unfortunately slated to die within a few months of Alzheimer's, of pulmonary, cardiovascular. Those are the three most common in, in LTCs. The Florida governor has stated that they've tested nursing home facilities and they've often found as much as 70% of all um, people who test positive, even in the LTCs, are asymptomatic. Now, maybe some develop some symptoms a little later, but the point is a good percentage are downright asymptomatic. I've had, um, we were working on a gravestone for my uncle in New Jersey and the cemetery director we worked through told us that they had so many family members who said, you know, 
they never heard of COVID. They never heard of them getting it. They know they died of Alzheimer's. They were dying. They're in hospice care. And they put down COVID on the death certificate. So have you kind of vetted that out in Douglas County to ensure that they indeed did die from the virus? I have heard our coroner speak. And, and the county actually did a study of all the deaths in Douglas County to look at the comorbidities. That's how we came up with the average age of 82.56. And the average life expectancy is like 75. So we know it's the older people that are being targeted because of their comorbidities primarily. So I have heard that our coroner is being very careful at reviewing the death certificates. However, they're usually signed by a doctor, not the coroner. And, and the, the doctor really does have the final say. So there is mm. some sticky wickets here that need to be worked through. That's very interesting. In other words, you're saying like you you were not a medical doctor, right? I mean, you're you're in law enforcement. You were elected as a county coroner, just like you're elected as a county commissioner. Um, you don't necessarily have to be an MD. It's the the doctor who certifies the death certificate. That's right. I hired doctors to do the medical work, and I did the administrative work and saved the county 33% of the budget. Perfect. What is your message to other county governments that are kind of wavering? They know there's something wrong here across Colorado, across the nation of how to fight back. Let me just encourage every single commissioner out there that your citizens elected you to lead and they are looking for you to lead. People are hungry for strong conservative leadership because strong conservatives give people the responsibility and the ability to live their lives the way they choose. And that's what a majority of the people in this country desire so much. Well, there you have it, folks. Laura Thomas, uh, she's running for re-election. We certainly need more people like her. Um, the the, the counter-revolt starts at a county level, and that's that's it. Laura, thanks so much for joining us. Um, please do keep us updated, all right? What a pleasure, Daniel. God bless to you and all your listeners.